0: We'll do it ourselves. And the thought is kind of empowering, you know, because we need to do we need to do things for ourselves, but a lot of times too, we need to count on other people to do things for us. It's
1: not my idea. This idea comes from the old
0: people.
1: I'm only repeating to you what they told to, to me and to many other people. Hey Swale! Good day, good people! Welcome to another episode of The Stalo Signal. I'm Aalia, and in this episode, we are going to be talking to one of the amazing people that works behind the scenes of one of our communities. We are just wrapping up our season two, in which we've explored several Halkmalan principles that our Stalo historian, Nakakatsi Sonny McKelsey, identified after his hours and hours of interviewing elders over the years. Check out our feature with him in Episode 8, in case you missed it. In this episode, Episode 9, we will feature someone who embodies the principle, Hlimith Cha O'e'alewit. We'll do it ourselves. We're going to talk about dreams coming true for one of our communities. Spoiler alert, this has to do with the beautiful new building on one of our reserves. And as you'll hear later on, the principle covers more than just the obvious. Yes, we can, is the kind of message that communities and individuals sometimes need to hear for that extra push of motivation. The idea also covers how much we can learn from others as well. So without further ado, let's ask our guest, Stacy McNeil, the Executive Director of Skowkill and Saylands, to introduce
0: herself. Thank you for inviting me um, to participate. My name is Stacey McNeil. I'm from Seabird Island, um, First Nation, born and raised and um, I think in 2015, I started with Scocale. It was in March of 2015. I remember having the interview in December of the previous, previous um, couple of months, and then started as the general manager at that time. Um, I was interviewed by... Jeff Point, Willie Hall and James Archie. I recall that quite distinctly because I had actually never been on the Koukalitsa grounds since I was a small girl. And I remember walking into this big building number seven, which I couldn't find for the first 20 minutes. And then yeah. ever since then, it's been a roller coaster. Some of my first instructions when I started as a general manager was this is a clean slate. We're starting over. Let's see what we can do. And I know from growing up in a community as well that voices are always important to be heard from community level and one of the first things that we started to do with that clean slate is engage community by recruiting them onto committees. And I think that we've got pretty famous in terms of being known for committee work. We actually, Skokale was awarded a few years back for some of that work by the um, financial, or. Uh, Aboriginal Finance Officers Association of BC just for some unique ways of how we were engaging community at that time. So committees, we started with a policy committee and a housing committee and we started drafting policies and then it just grew. It became a beast and in the middle of that we were working on the Comprehensive Community Plan. Um, Joy Hall was here at that time, helping coordinate a lot of that engagement from community level. And that's where the community gave more clear direction to leadership about where they wanted to see their community going in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years.
1: So what brought you into this kind of work like do you feel like many people this landed on my lap did you always have an interest in public administration um maybe even just tell us what your what your background is for education if there's other people that want to follow on this path of working for their community
0: sure and i think there's a lot of unique things in our first nations communities that don't really have a script so to speak or a a document that could say hey if you want to be this in our communities this is what you need to do because we are small municipalities or cities and we do the work of five or six administrators in one of those as an administrator or as a housing clerk or as anybody because we're doing things on the side of our desk Um, i think a lot of my drive to do What I'm doing now came from just growing up in my own community and spending time with my grandmother and my auntie because the way we learn things we learned by doing. Uh, My dad would drop me off at my grandmother's house when it was time to can fish or do whatever he would just drop me off I would go stand by my grandmother and we would just start working. It was watching and doing and seeing all the hard work that she put into her life and raising her 11 kids by herself because her spouse had passed away and always just working and trying to help everyone around her, making sure that if a community child didn't have a place to sleep that night, it became her place. If uh, uh, an argument was had between a husband and a wife, she became that safe place for that wife or that husband. So just watching everything that she gave of herself for her family and her community made me think that we could all do things like this to make each other's lives a lot better. Um, And education was always important. My auntie that I spent a lot of time with growing up before she passed, she used to bake a cake for every single person in the family, homemade cake. She would get a ride to the store to pick out all the ingredients that were tailored to that child or that person. And on my cake, I remember every year, she always had either a worm and said it was a bookworm, or books and said, you're going to be a lawyer. Like She was always very specific about what she expected of me, but didn't come out and say it. It was just on my cake. <laughs> so that really led me to want to succeed in school. All I wanted to do was be something that my parents couldn't be. They never, Neither one of them had graduated. They dropped out of school, and I was the oldest of three kids, so... My auntie, my grandmother, and then some of my aunties later in life pushed me. Um, I went to our community school. It only went up to grade 10 at that time at Seabird, and I was an honors student through the whole time. Never missed a day of school except for one, and that was a suspension that I will not talk about. <laughs> but um, from grade 11 and 12, I had to move to public school, and that was a huge shift for me going from somewhere where I was comfortable in my own home and going to a public school with a whole bunch of Hulitams that I didn't know. We had one or two Hulitams in our community school um, and it was like an eye-opener you know when you see people that you're not used to seeing so it was really a huge shift for me to go to public school but one of the things that really bothered me when I entered that school is they pulled me aside and my cousins aside that were transferring there and had pre-assigned us classes And those classes were things like wood tech, and instead of biology and chemistry, it was a base science, and instead of English, it was communications. And I looked at them while they were explaining all of the courses and looking at us like we were from another planet, and I finally said, why are you putting me in these classes? And they said, oh, well, you know, it's to help with your transition and things like that, and I said, have you looked at my report cards? I'm a straight-A student, and uh, most of my classes, I'm at 100%, so why am I being put into communications? They had made a prejudgment just because of where I was coming from. So that pissed me off even more. And so I pushed and was on honors throughout my whole time at grade 11 and 12 there, and moved on to university, because my goal was I was gonna be a lawyer and defend everybody that was being put down in our communities by RCMP, because we never had a good relationship with them. but." Um, Within my first year of university, I ended up with my first child. (laughs) So law did not happen because it would have meant I wouldn't be able to work full time and things like that. So I started working for my home community while I was doing school full time, um, but going for a criminal justice degree rather than my law degree. And from there, I just wanted to see things get better working in my home community doing I think I started as Um, I think I was working in childcare. Yeah, I was working in childcare after I left the restaurant because there used to be the old Ciberdon Cafe where I started. Um, That was one of my favorite jobs. Um, But worked there and then I started in my own organization doing childcare and from there went to recreation and kept moving from there. I was never happy. I always wanted more. So I ended up back in school a few times, finished my criminal justice degree, Um, one year late because of the physical component that's required and I couldn't do sit-ups and things when I was nine months pregnant so (laughs) um, yeah I did that and then I went back to school for real estate I went back to school for um, professional instructor's diploma I went back to school for bookkeeping and you name it I did it I just wanted to keep growing Mm -hmm. and then someone finally asked me one day what do you want to do with your life do you always want to do health or housing or whatever you're doing now? And I said, I have no idea. So I went into business and did my master's in business in 18 months while I was working full time and pregnant with my fourth child. (laughs) So it was lots of fun. But um, I think going back to my grandmother and my aunties, I seen the drive, they never rested, they worked all day, and then they would go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. So that's what I see growing up and that's what I want to continue to do and I know I'm rambling but
1: (laughs) I'm enthralled (laughs) honestly every like every few sentences or every time your story uh changes direction I'm like tearing up like oh my gosh I can relate I can relate to watching um my my mom and my auntie work really really hard you know um everything that they did was for us. Everything mm-hmm. they did was for the community. You know, my aunt and, and my mom were instrumental in making LEP what it is today. And really those foundational people for this community. So I completely relate. It, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, your journey, especially having kids, pushing through that discrimination you faced in the public school system. Uh, it's all relatable. We all have some version of that story I think in in our history, our personal history of growth and and I love the part about you going back. I went back for this, I went back for this, I changed direction. I think it really shows young people that it's not a straight path the way you think that yeah. it's going to be. It's oh, I go and I get the degree I want and then I get the job I want. And then, I get the, and then I get the house and then I, you know, it's never a straight path the way you think it's going to be. You just have to keep on chipping away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you ended up with an MBA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then how did you uh, finally end up in Skok Hill?
0: <laughs> it was an interesting journey. It just um, kept at the back of my mind a previous director that always asked me, what do you want to do with yourself? What do you want to do with yourself? And I was getting so frustrated because... I felt like she was telling me I hit a ceiling in my home community and working there, like, where else are you going to go in this position? You're now a director here. The only other place is as the executive director, and we have someone that's been there for 40 years, probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Do you want to explore life outside of the community? And people started sending me... um, postings from other communities. I remember seeing the general manager posting for Chiacton at that same time. I remember seeing a housing manager position posted at Chiam at the same time. And then I seen this little ad for Skokale First Nation. And to be honest, the only thing I remembered about Skokale was growing up and driving through it as a a youngster because I had friends that were from there, but never really knew where Skokale started and ended. I remember heard stories about the old hall and baseball games and things and thought. It just seems like a smaller community where maybe I can make some change or make some difference and some new people to reconnect with or, or connect with. So applied for it, did the interview, and then I was, within a few months, I was here at Building 10. And that's another place I got lost because I remembered being interviewed at Building 7, but where the hell was Building 10? No idea. <laughs> yeah, there's,
1: there's no real map uh, for the over- no charging it's something that's totally been overlooked because so many people come to Stellanation Grounds and they think it's just the one building. Where's 8A? I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it does, it's like we built building one and it was here and then building two is way over there and then five and seven. It's just, yeah. yeah. But it, it's how we are. It's the same thing. Our path isn't straightforward. Neither is how we build buildings. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly right. Um, so I feel like that was meant to be. Um, maybe you came at a time like I think those leaders said that the slate was being wiped clean, Uh, Skilkale had been through some major shifts and I just remember when I was young and feeling like there was more that our community could do but I didn't necessarily see that movement until we got really organized on the administration side and as a community member like I said I was excited to interview you and to have you uh, come and speak about some of the work that skill kills doing because as a member I see it I I feel engaged on Facebook I feel engaged by the things that you guys have done for us in in the past four or five more years and especially since I moved home right because I I feel it more when I'm living Mm -hmm. in my community and as a community member I've really noticed the support the uptick in the organization and now we have this beautiful new building that we're almost ready to to move into as a community and just things that like you said from the very beginning when you first started talking was that community comprehensive planning mm-hmm. what a community members want to see and how can we implement it it's simple as that mm-hmm. um, that community engagement piece so speaking about the new developments in say community first of all for people that don't know uh, what does say stand for and how did that come about
0: sure say um, is the acronym for Skokale at Schlitz um, in 2013-14 the three communities' leaderships met and decided, you know, we want land code, we want control over our own lands rather than having Canada or outside people tell us how we can do things with that land and we want to protect it. And knowing the groups that were going through land code and having the three small communities' um, leadership at the time thought, let's do it together. Um, It might move things a little bit more quickly because we are so small and the funding limitations that the government has provided for things like land code let's do it together. So the leadership agreed to do that. Um, They went through the land code development process together. And then um, they went to vote together. And each of them passed land code at the same time, one of the communities with 100%. And from that born the, say, lands office. So once land code happened, um, you need an administration office to kind of run with that. So at that time, I believe that was 20... 14, um, they brought on board a lands manager and a lands assistant um, from Skokale was Brittany Hall, and then they started meeting with a joint committee, uh, from representatives from each of the three communities sat on that committee, started drafting laws and different pieces, um, and in 2016, um, one of the leadership groups came and asked me if I would be able to as the general manager for Skokale take on the administration of the say lands office as well um, just to keep see things moving ahead um, so from 2016 to this point we've been doing that so skokale has been managing the say lands office as well mm-hmm. so and, and it's been working quite well it's quite unique um, the three communities were the first aggregate land code group in canada and um, continues to be a successful one um, i think it has a lot of to do with the leadership and the communities and the relations they all have?
1: Uh, So the new community center then is built out of that relationship. It is a service, I guess, building. Um, Basically, we call them community centers, but in the old days, it was the band office, Mm -hmm. right, for the three communities. It's beautiful driving by there. I just feel excited every single time I see something new happening at the building. So there's a Halkamalem name for the building. Um, I'll let you pronounce it, and then maybe you can share what the meaning is.
0: Sure. The new building's name is the Itzalia, and basically it means a dream come true. Um, We had gone to the cultural committee and asked for some names to recognize the work that was going into the building and the relationship from the three communities that were doing this jointly. So that's the name that they came up with, and when it was heard, everybody agreed with it.
1: Right away. Yes. Yeah, it is a really cool name. Uh, so in terms of moving in there and uh, offices being set up there, can you tell us a little bit about what's what's the lay of the land? What are some of the exciting things that we can expect when the doors open?
0: Um, lots of great things. I Basically, the, the vision for the building came from Skokale's early CCP, and then the relationship that the three communities had. And when we were starting to design the building um, as Skokale, we put a pause on that and said, well, we have partners, let's bring them in too. So we had a lot of visioning at the beginning stages from the three communities. What do you want to see at a community center? What kind of programs and services do you want there? What do you want the building to look like? So once you open the doors, you're going to see a health center um, because a lot of communities said, we want health programs and services in community as well. Um, so that some of us that have transportation issues or other just can link quite closely. So on the left-hand side of the building is is the health side. And we also have a a youth room in there because that's something else that communities all said is they want a space for youth to go in and be able to express themselves, to meet, um, to hang out after school, all of those kinds of things. So we have that. Um, We also have uh, a little nook that's beside the beautiful reception desk for people that want to pop in and connect to internet. Um, use, they can sign out a Chromebook if they'd like to, but to check their emails, social media, stay connected, or just be somewhere where there's lots of other people around. <laughs> um, we have an amazing large kitchen um, just off the gym, and that is going to be used for a lot of different nutritional programming uh, and educational stuff with our kids and others and group canning sessions. Right outside the window from the kitchen, we have a beautiful built-in barbecue and canning station um, where we hope to see a lot of fish being barbecued. Mm. Um, through that window, we also see our beautiful new playground, very large playground with some beautiful artwork on it. The kids are all excited, we know, to go in there already. And inside our gym, we, which is a full-size gymnasium, we have a very, very, very large video screen. Um, That video screen is going to allow us to continue to do um, virtual sessions with people on a larger scale, and also allows for us to host workshops and conferences with screens that people can see. (laughs) Because that's something that we did too, is we toured some buildings. What are some of the challenges? And a lot of it has to do with audiovisual in the big meeting spaces. So not only does our gym have that large video wall and bleachers and um, basketball court and all the rest of it, but every one of our meeting rooms are set up for meeting space as well with state-of-the-art sound and visual Um, and then on the right side of the building we have a fitness center um, with fantastic equipment in there that's all connected you can watch netflix while you're running or you can um, download some programs for trail running or others Um, we also have a lovely little community uh, what we're we've called a cafe so it's a little room off to the side where you first enter, where people in the community, if they want to come in and sell their baked goods or hold um, a sale of any sorts, there is a little cafeteria area there where they can display in a refrigerated cooler. Um, there's a counter there, some nice little tables for people to sit in when if they want to eat lunch or hang out. Um, and then it starts with the administration side. So um, we have a lot of leased space in there. So kale, Achlets, Yakakuius, Kukoplet. Um, the property of- property tax office, Ceylan's office, Stallo, um, have all these space down there. So they'll have easy easy access to everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, everything, everything you mentioned. I'm like, yes, 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 yes.
0: Yeah, the sky's the limit that's what we keep telling everybody is when we're in the new building this is what we can do so we're trying to deliver on those early early requests from Skokale in particular when we started mapping out the CCP but all three communities are pretty aligned in some of their interests so that's something that I think is the biggest takeaway for me in my work that I've done for Skokale and say since I've started is Everything is community driven. Mm. The community wants something, we make a plan for it, and we try to deliver on that. Mm. And I remember the two big pieces when I first started at Skokale is we want a North subdivision and we want a community building. So now we have both. So the CCP was just edited and revamped recently for new goals and dreams. So together, everybody can, you know, that saying, um, together, everybody achieves more. I think that's how Skokale and SAE operates. Yeah, it's all together.
1: Wow, that's really cool, and it's it's really, really exciting. And speaking about exciting things, not just with the building, uh, but with, I guess, some of the other landmarks in Skokale, I've been noticing some work being done on a trail by the fish hatchery. Is that a Skokale project or a say project? And can you tell us a little bit more about, about what that trail is going to become?
0: Sure. Part of the other... Um wishes and dreams in the CCP was to have a walking path that connected uh, the community from the north to the south on Skokale. And then ultimately, when we put in the new building, how are we going to get our people there safely? Because Chilliwack River Road is not a safe place to walk, bike, ride or anything. Um, And at the same time, we were approached by the tribe and said that, you know, we'd like to support the Skokale Hatchery um, as one of our projects. What can we do to help? Um, So from that board, the project that we were just wrapping up, um, which was revitalizing the Skokale Hatchery. um, So basically what we asked for was we really need a facelift on the building. Um, We really need support to be able to hire people because we've been dependent on and taken advantage of, quite frankly, so many volunteers over the years just to make sure the hatchery stayed open. Um, So the tribe was able to support us with some finances, we were able to hire a community member, um, Jesse Monroe, that was able to come in and do some work at the hatchery. So we've brought back not only um, one species of fish, but we've also brought back coho, and that's in there full time. And then with the goal of the walking path, it kind of got squashed a little bit because we thought the safest place to do it would be along the interceptor ditch in through Skokale and Yakaquius and behind the community but it crosses over dozens of properties. Mm -hmm. And it was really a challenge for us when we were approaching individual property owners, worried about liability, worried about privacy, worried about safety. So we went back to the drawing board. And when Jesse was talking with previous volunteers um, at the hatchery, found out that there used to be a little walking path along the creek. So he started to um, bring that back. And then the city of Chilliwack, Um, One of their folks, their employees there, noticed it and sent us a note saying, hey, what's going on down there? We want to be a part of that. So they started coming out and volunteering and helping um, plant some more natural trees in there and things like that to protect the integrity of the banks along the creek. Um, And then all of a sudden, the Chilliwack Park Society said, hey, what are you guys doing down there? Um, So then we had some people coming forward, volunteering on weekends, making a new trail. Um, all volunteers a lot of the materials most of the materials were donated by local businesses and things like that community members out there slashing and laying down gravel it was really a beautiful thing and um, we're super excited that phase one we're calling it phase one is complete and that's from the north subdivision on Skokale to surpass place along the creek phase two will bring that walking path along the creek to be right across from the new building so people can walk along there and cross over because the other issue that we have is there's no parking (laughs) there's really no parking for the entrance of the walking path but um yeah that's that's where it started and that's where we're hoping to bring it is keep going and then connect with our neighbors at yakikui so they can also enjoy the same safety and connection to community that we're now seeing Um,
1: yeah that's so cool uh i noticed that work and stuff happening and and people we don't typically see come on to Skilkale yes <laughs> they can roll it up their sleeves and yeah it was very interesting to see even just having visitors come on to our territory and to take an investment and I feel like it's a real testament to the work to have the city of Chilliwack to have the parks board to have different people reach mm-hmm. out to, to us yes. and say hey what. What kind of good work are you doing how can we help you mm-hmm. you know I really feel like that's an indication you're on the right path you're doing that good work um, it, it really speaks to the tone of this podcast episode and, and this interview centered around the the halkamlam principle that we need to do things for ourselves um, but a lot of times we also need to count on other people to do things and that's that's sort of that that community collaboration piece and as sunny talks about this this principle as coming from the elders and i feel like as educated indigenous community members we're starting to take that on and mm-hmm. uh, we're starting to see the good work happen at the community and the governance level that's what we're involved in at the stolicoquel government mm-hmm. you know bringing the six communities together not just for treaty it's really become a small part of the picture in terms of self-governance, and what does that mean? You know, bringing bringing that larger vision together for communities, just the way that say came together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and those three communities, as you know, are all part of the um, the overall treaty process too. Um, so this this guiding principle, um, I think bringing the pieces together for our, for our conversation, um, can you talk about what that's meant to you? Like, I really feel like you've covered it in, in speaking about your past and what you learned from your elders, but, you know, today in your work with Skokale and the young people you've hired on, what does it mean to do things for ourselves?
0: Well, I think that um, waiting, I hear a lot of communities talk about we want to get rid of the Indian Act. We want to be able to be who we are and who we were. Um, and a lot of times it's a challenge that I see in that some communities aren't ready because they're so reliant on the system that's been set up for them that we can't do that because INAC doesn't give us enough money. We can't do this because ISC won't allow us to do it or DIA never let us do that and ANSI didn't do this. Um, so what I've learned at Skokale, um, and from when I was a child is if you need something you just go out and you make sure it happens. You have to find different ways. You don't wait for it to be handed to you. Um, if you want a job you go out and find it. You don't wait for someone to find you. If you need something for your children you'll go out and source it. Whether it's like my grandmother and had to go fishing by herself without a mate as a woman. She went out there and got fish to bring home to her kids because they were hungry. So. We just do that. And that's one of the things I remember Willie Hall telling me when I first started is you, you can make it happen. Just make it happen. Right. And since then, I hear chief point always joking about it. Oh, Stacy will find the money. Stacy will do it. Um, but it's about developing those relationships and networks too, because we cannot do it by ourselves. Um, we need to know who can support us and how, and how we can return that favor, so to speak. So, I remember one time speaking at a conference I was asked to in Vancouver and they asked me to speak. Didn't tell me I'd be speaking in front of almost 500 people, um, but it was for a conference and just said, can you talk about zero cost housing? Because they saw what Skokale was doing in terms of you know ownership. Um, no more section 95 and social housing, let's move more towards ownership. and and building equity and things like that so what does zero cost housing mean so went there and had to get up in front of everybody which was a challenge in itself but i remember some of the message that i gave to them is we have to stop pointing fingers at everybody and we have to own a lot some of this ourselves if we want it we can't sit here and wait for the government to rectify the mistakes that they've made um, on our behalf or for us against us we have to take a step forward and say, we own our past, now how do we make it better? Mm-hmm. I remember after I said a lot of what I was saying on the stage and they asked me to you know, walk around the room and listen to what people were saying and I had so many chiefs come up to me angry. Angry about what I was saying because how dare you say that we can do this on our own? There's no way we can. I live way up in the boonies and there's no employment. How are my people supposed to pay for that? And how are they going to do that? And I just heard what they said, but came back to you have to work with what you have. And what more can we do to explore different options? Mm -hmm. So if ISC serves a purpose, let's use it. If we can develop an economic development corporation to find some economic opportunities outside of our community, let's do that. Mm -hmm. If there's someone in the community that has some knowledge that we can use to help the community, let's use that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just always being open to everything. And I think that principle really feeds well into that whole process. Is just Let's work together, but let's not wait for someone else to come and save the day. Let's let's do it together.
1: Yeah, that's really inspiring, honestly, because I think that's how this was built. I think how that that's how we took over coca to grounds, mm-hmm. and that's how you know all these buildings became what they are today, and a lot of the services that we've provided to our own people, no one else did that. You know, it was the leaders of the day that stood up and said, we need to do this, just like the grandmothers standing up and saying, we need to take the responsibility for our kids, mm-hmm. the Sessi movement around mm-hmm. um, taking over child and family services and more communities are doing that. And before they say we don't have capacity, they're already up and running. Yes. You know, and they're, they're kind of figuring it out as they go. And maybe that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know, because... The, the things, the positives, the successes that we've seen, I, I really believe it's because someone like you came, who who has it within them, the, the integrity, the work ethic to just do it, you know, and just kind of, <laughs> okay, the, the funding will come, the pieces will come together just like they did with the trail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sunny also mentions that we need to count on others, just as you're saying and and bringing those pieces together you talked about the cultural engagement and and listening to the voices of the community members and and bringing those visions to light through the committees and mm-hmm. and what have you so what are some of the committees that you guys have active right now and some of the good work that they're doing
0: there's a lot of mm-hmm. committees actually and there's a, that's actually a hot topic right now in terms of maybe we need to amalgamate some of our committees to do some general advisory. So right now we have the uh, Lands Committee, the Housing Committee, Education Committee, Policy Committee, Finance and Audit Committee, Cultural Committee, Youth Committee, and Treaty Committee. So there's a lot of them, but that speaks to how engaged the community of Skellcale is and wants to continue to be. However, what we're now noting is that the names on each of those committees are starting to repeat themselves um, and trying to draw on their time um, is becoming a challenge as well. If there's you know, eight to 10 committees that one or two people are on all of them, for example, and then trying to make those eight to 10 different meetings in a month, it's it's a challenge. But they're doing some fantastic work. It just blows my mind sometimes the stuff that comes up in conversation. And really as a staff, we're just facilitating that conversation and trying to capture it into documents. But some of those great things that they've been able to do um, new housing policies, um, after school program policies, every single policy that Skokale has has come from those committees and Mm -hmm. the community work that they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only do those committee members come to the table with their own knowledge and support for the work that's happening, they want to hear from the rest of the community as well. So for example, when we were doing the housing policy, we were doing surveys with community. What do you think about this? How Mm -hmm. can we do this differently? Uh, The policy committee is also working on um, membership code, which is not an easy thing to deal with in community, as we've heard through the treaty process previous, that how do we define membership and who we are? Um, But engagement, going back to community, saying, what does this mean to you? Um, It's just fantastic some of the stuff that they've done, all of the stuff that they've done. Mm
1: -hmm. And the committees feed into the chief and council, the chief and council feeds into your process and and now you're going to be looking at the structure of going into this building Mm -hmm. with the staff that you have and and i guess sort of the plan of settling into all those services that that could be provided i mean it may even provide more jobs
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right at the community level because the space is going to allow for that yes yeah Yeah,
0: exactly we have actually a whole bunch of postings right now we're trying to recruit which i know is more of a national and global issue is trying to recruit more people but that's what we want to do and that's part of the ccp process bringing people back into our organization
1: absolutely well i want to thank you for your time and i know that you're really busy and you've you made space on your calendar for us to have this conversation today and i really feel like it's going to enlighten a lot of people out there a lot of our listeners and and we have listeners that are far and wide, they're not even living in the community or say they're not connected to the community. Uh, we found that a lot of people like to tune in and they just like to hear about what's happening in Stella Territory and so we might even inspire some community that we're not connected to. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, listening to a conversation with Stacy McNeil, who is the General Manager for Skillkill First Nation and doing some really exciting things within our community. Have a wonderful day, and be safe out there. Just a final note to finish off the episode. We want to thank you so much for tuning in and learning about our Halkamalem principles with us. If you missed any of the other eight episodes, head on over to our website, or subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. We will be starting up with a new season and all new episodes next month called Standing in Our Strength. We want to explore more of the good work our communities are doing and how our strength has remained throughout all this time over and above any colonial oppression we have experienced. Our people are at the forefront of change, and we can't wait to tell you all about it. Don't forget, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at outreach at sxta.bc.ca. Talk to you soon.